Welcome to Community Pulse from Environmental Design Group, highlighting the transformations happening in our communities and celebrating the leaders making them happen. Tammy Naguki, her EDG co-host and their special guest, reveal insights that are driving our communities forward, right now on Community Pulse. Welcome everyone to the Environmental Design Group Community Pulse podcast. I'm Dwayne Grohl, president of Environmental Design Group. And with us today, we have Tammy Naguki, who is our principal of marketing and client experience at Environmental Design Group. And our guest today, Mayor Gerard Nugebauer, mayor of the city of Green. Uh, mayor Nugebauer began his second four-year term as the seventh mayor of Green on January 1st of this year. Uh, prior to that, he served as on council and a variety of uh, city boards and commissions at the city. He's a graduate of the University of Akron with a degree in civil engineering and a master's degree in business administration. Uh, he previously worked at as a project manager and IT director for Environmental Design Group prior to becoming mayor, and he's a native of Akron. Gerard and his wife, Maria, have resided in Green since 1987. They have three grown children, Patrick, Stephen, and Rachel, and one granddaughter. And so welcome, Mayor Nugebauer, to the Community Pulse podcast. Thank you, Dwayne. It's good to be here. I appreciate uh, the invitation. And I'd just like to make one correction to my bio. So uh, just two days ago on Tuesday, uh, we had our second granddaughter, uh, my son Patrick, who lives in Charlotte, uh, and his wife uh, have a new baby girl, and so we're so very proud and looking forward to getting down next week to see them. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, you know, what, thank you. What's her name? Her name is Jane, and uh, our, our existing granddaughter is, is Aria, so we have Aria and Jane now, and she was born at seven pounds, two and a half ounces, and uh, she's just beautiful. So we're really looking forward to seeing her. Well, congratulations again wow. on your uh, growing family. Yeah, thank you. And uh, for your second grandchild. So congratulations. Thank so. you. Uh, <laughs> Mayor, <laughs> I, well, first I want to just thank you for joining us on our very first podcast. Um, this is sort of new for Dwayne and I as far as hosts go. We've both been guests on podcasts before. But uh, for us to be uh, hosting you is um, quite a treat. And thank you for being our guinea pig. My pleasure. Um, having led the fight, here my, my first official question here. Having led the fight against opioids in your first term, and now you're dealing with um, the ultimate disruption in 2020 with COVID-19, what are those tenets of leadership that you rely on to guide your community through disruptions and storms like these? Well, I appreciate that question. It's, it's an evolving it's an evolving, um, let's say, art, right? Leadership is. And, um, you know, I think it all starts with a vision. And uh, it transitions after you have a vision into um, giving people opportunities, mm-hmm. finding, finding what their skill set is, finding how they interact with other people, finding how they can kind of fit into that vision, and then letting people have the opportunities to, to take control of situations and, and move forward and succeed in those situations. So I think it's, it's all those things kind of together that, that allow you to move through these things. But, but I wanted to just say a word about the vision because the vision is often a little cloudy in the beginning. It's, you, know, you don't know exactly what the answer is when you start. Um, I have a tenant that, that, that I use on, with my employees. It's, it's, it's to do the right thing do it the right way, and do it for the right reasons. So I think that's like a starting point for a lot of, uh, of the programs that we do 
and then as you you apply your vision to to what that can become and it amazes you what where it can go right so you don't see it you don't see it in clarity in the beginning but as as you work through it and you learn and you and you learn about your people that vision becomes clearer and clearer and, and to the point where it's just it's just before you and it's almost a shock at what what you can do with the right people in the right situation it's interesting to me that you when you talk, I can almost imagine the people that are that you're around you, they're surrounding you, that they're looking up to you. Our leadership is an example, and that's something that Dwayne and I talk about a lot. Is you know how are we leading by example in our organizations, and how has that changed for you? I mean, you're you're obviously distant from a lot of people now with COVID, and the, you know just being physically apart. How are you able to to lead by example through all of this? Well, you know that's not that's really hasn't changed because I'm on Teams meetings um, pretty much all day now. Um, I go to the office, but I don't meet anybody there. Uh, I see people on occasion, but um, I'm still there, and I always turn my video on um, so people can see. Even when I'm not happy, they can see and, and interpret what's going on with me. And I think it's important uh, as a leader to to be present to people in right. your good moments and your bad. So um, that really hasn't changed. Probably the the one thing that, that's been the most constant is people tell me, um, they they're surprised at how calm I am in all these things. They said you just seem so calm, and and that really means a lot to me because you know you're you're working on problems, you're solving problems, but really people need you to be calm. They need you to the leader needs to to set that vision and not overreact to things and just be present for the people that you're working with. Seems to be a common thread among a lot of great leaders right now. Well, well, yeah. I know uh, you. you know uh, Mayor that you've. Um, I've seen uh, examples where you've let your staff or encourage your staff to do things outside of what they vision their their role is. And it's really been uh, astounding in some of the things that, that you've encouraged them or given them latitude where they didn't think they had latitude. Where does, where does that come from you know, within you? Well, I think, you know, a lot of that comes from working in private industry and now working in government. And in governments, so many things are defined to the nth degree and and – Really using COVID, I was able to change the landscape quite a bit mm-hmm. and bring people out of their normal uh, positions and and really take advantages of their strengths and really take advantages mm-hmm. of what they bring to the table. Uh, because under normal union rules or normal um, you know civil service rules, we have very defined positions, mm-hmm. very defined tasks. And it was just so wonderful to see some people step out of those those project descriptions, those work descriptions, and really do some really amazing things. Uh, it's just so rewarding to have the opportunity. Yeah, and I, you know, hearing that and, and having watched you over the last five years do that, uh, even pre-COVID, you were, you know, I saw examples of that. And so uh, I would encourage other government leaders or, you know, people in that kind of more defined structures to encourage that because the, the things that your staff has done is just simply amazing. And the more they do it and find success, then the more impact they can have for, in your case, the city of Green and, and, and the residents and businesses there. Well, thank you. You know, Dwayne, I, you know, leadership is one thing, but we have great, we have great pieces mm-hmm. here at the city of Green, uh, great talent. Um, mm-hmm. It is such an honor to, to be with those people. They're the ones who do the work. Um, and it's just, a, it's, it's a joy to, to be yeah. part of it with them. So, um, uh, you know, I think you uh, talked about you know vision and leading by example. 
Um, but, uh, you know, there's another project that's, uh, I've heard you talk about before and I think it's a pretty cool, um, thing that you've done. I wanted our audience to hear about uh, project tangerine. So can you, uh, can you talk about that a little bit and where it's got its name and its roots? And... Yeah. You know, looking back over the years, um, when you put together the picture of your life and, and try to understand, you know, who you are and where you came from, I, you know, one of the things that was really important to me was being part of the community. From an early age, um, volunteering, uh, coaching, um, involvement in my professional society, all those things that really were beyond just me and, and my family and my company, but but the greater community. And, and I think back to my childhood, and we were really, really poor growing up, although we didn't know it. Uh, we were raised middle class, but with, with no money. And so, you know, we had the violin lessons and and, you know, all the things that developed the culture of a family, but we didn't have a lot of nice foods and, and, mm-hmm. and what you might consider special things. And so uh, I, rec- I recalled an event when I was in sixth grade being, at, being in the public school, and we'd, my mom would pack a, a cheese sandwich for me for lunch, but then I would watch all the other students have their, their, their school lunches, right? And it had pizza and it had all these nice things in it, French fries and things that I didn't get to eat very often. But the one thing that always surprised me was that um, the other students tended to throw away the fruit and vegetables. And, and the one in particular that I liked was the tangerines. Uh, it's one thing to be able to, to accept a tangerine that a, another student could give you and take it home. I mean, you couldn't do that with um, peaches and heavy syrup or, or pears, right? But you could with a tangerine because it was in right. a convenient wrapper. It was in its original peel. And I would literally go and stand at the back of the the classroom when we were disposing of our lunch and stand there with my, my lunch bag that I brought my sandwich in and it would be filled with tangerines because none of the other students valued them. And I think that became a symbol for me because I realized that we all have things that, we all have talents, we all have things that really can be extremely valuable to other people that we don't always think about. And how can we share some of our talents? How can we share some of the things that we have with other people who who will get such a positive experience from from those mm-hmm. things, and that really became the symbol of of the volunteerism that I that I that I like to see in our community, and the volunteerism I think that makes a great community. And so those those tangerines are still special to me, and you know I I would I would enjoy them, but I would also take them home and share them with my siblings. Right, mm-hmm. I had eight siblings, and so it was an opportunity to share something with with the rest of my family, um, and and we all valued you know those special things because mm-hmm. we didn't have much. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was. Yeah. It was a fantastic way to grow up. Yeah. Such a powerful story. I mean, I, I loved hearing that, and it reminded me. My father used to tell stories like that of his growing up. He had. He was one of seven, and it's very similar. I mean, you know, sat down to dinner, and it was really, you know, take what you could get because it was going to go fast. Um, but I, I think what you, you know, you're talking about has a lot to do with, you know, that appreciation for what we do have, and um, having empathy for those people that don't, and um, people around us are struggling all the time, and being aware of that and uh, being able to to connect with them because you've experienced it yourself is powerful. Um, so, it's, yeah, I think uh, when I'm thinking about this project that you've got going on in, in Green, I'm wondering, you know, how is that being carried out, you know, in your community? How are you seeing it being reflected back? Well, I think, I think the point is a, a good community, a good government has as many people involved as possible. Ultimately, government is there to to be somewhat of a substitute for the residents who are doing other things. But, but really, the best government and the best community is where most people are involved. And so we've started a lot of initiatives to allow people to be involved 
in their city and what goes on around them. And so the drug task force, I think you mentioned briefly uh, before we created in response to the opiate epidemic, and we, we allowed people to come and, and, well, first of all, they had to come share their stories, which were very sad. And then we built a structure. So the vision at the, at the beginning wasn't clear, but we built a structure that we could, we could start to reach out in the community and help people. And we've done things like created a community paramedicine program, uh, uh, an outreach team. If somebody overdoses, we go visit them and, and offer them support and help and, and, um, and ways to recover from addiction. And so we just continue to look for things in the community where you can, where people have a heart to help mm-hmm. and where people need help. Yep. And that intersection is really where, where it's, it's, so, it's, it's such a joy to, to be at that intersection where you know people want to do things to help. We know people need help and, and to, to pair up the right people with the right talents and help the right people. It's just, it's such a neat thing. So that's really the foundation of it. And I think it's been successful in a lot of ways. And I'll just bring up another uh, program that we have is our, our student municipal representative program. Hard to say, but what we do is we, we bring about 25 students from the high school in to sit on our boards and commissions council in the city. They have a voice in all those, uh, all those boards, commissions, council, uh, often not a voting voice because by charter we can't provide that, but they get to experience government. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is create leaders for the future. Um, they can have input. They can see how it works. And I know that most of them in their later lives will come back and be leaders in their communities. And that's exactly the type of thing that I think is important is to build our, our leaders for the future and real leaders. Not, I don't always view politicians as, as true leaders. Um, there are people who want to be in, in oftentimes in political office, but really, I don't know if there's always best. Yeah, and we what don't we want to do is role models for sure. <laughs> right. So we want to create really, really good leaders that someday will show up and, and, you know, in various levels in their governments, in their communities, volunteering and seeking out to help people. And they'll remember those, they'll remember those meetings. They'll remember all those opportunities that they had. Uh, you know, you're reaching, a, you're reaching an audience that craves that kind of information too. So, you know, anytime you can reach that age group where they're still learning, they're still grasping curiosity and wanting to, to do something to make make an impact in, in their community. I mean, I think that's that's fabulous. Sure. Another another example is our um, diversity, equity, inclusion group that we formed a couple of years ago. You know, we started by just meeting with focus groups with residents who, who were experiencing, you know, one thing or another related to their race or culture, sat down with them, talked to them, and, and from that formed this diversity group, which which is really neat because when you have the social unrest like we had this summer, you know, we would have to have people from our community just call me. They'd call their mayor because they've sat down with me and they've talked with me. And You've so they can just up. call me. Yeah. They, don't, they don't feel like, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. They can just ask because they feel included. And so all those, all those little steps, you don't always see the, the result at any particular time. But when that moment comes up, like the social unrest this year, you really see where those things made a difference in your community and you don't have the problems uh, that that many communities face. I think, uh, you know, interesting going back to, uh, you know, leadership for just a second. Uh, For our audience out there, you know, we've known each other for 20 years and I, I don't view you as a politician, I view you as a leader. And I think there's a pretty distinct sometimes difference there um, and so those young people that you're bringing through are seeing leadership versus the idea of uh, politicians. And so that's that's really, uh, really commendable. Um, I think the other thing, uh, and, and you and I were talking maybe last year and you said uh, um, or earlier this year when COVID started and you said you had compiled a list of 
all these businesses and groups in the city, and it sat on your shelf, and you didn't know what you were going to do with it. And then, and I don't know if you remember that conversation, but if you can. Well, sure, I do. So, um, you know, there was a day in, in probably February when my police chief said, you know, we need to come in and talk about setting up a emergency operations center. Mm-hmm. And, and ours is called a, a Department of Operations because uh, the EOC is in Summit County. And so we're a department under the EOC. But we're going to have to create this, this emergency response system to deal with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and Valerie Wolford, our communications director, came in. So it was, it was a great experience for the three of us. But I remember on the wall, I have this big, big board and I have all our, our partners, community partners. So, you know, Joint Vocational School, the airport, you know, the businesses, mm-hmm. the senior centers, the schools. I mean, just every every one of our partners in the community, Boy Scouts, you know, Girl Scouts, soccer organizations, mm-hmm. sports <laughs> organizations, all the, had, just have a list that's always on the board. And I remember walking over to the board and, and saying, I'm, I'm going to close this up. And, and Chief and I says, wait a minute, that might be mm-hmm. that might be what we need to, to, to focus on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was. We sat there and we went down the list. Every, every, every group in our community and we decided how can we how can we interact with that group to keep them safe from covid mm-hmm. how can we help the businesses mm-hmm. the restaurants for say how and, mm-hmm. and we went we went group by group and then we started making assignments of of who was going to be responsible for this part of our organization so we mm-hmm. we basically just conceived of an organization in that day mm-hmm. of how our community was going to weather the storm of covid and, it, and it's so fascinating to see it all play out. I mean, we had we had food drives uh, this summer. We we had two food drives, one in the summer, one in the fall. Just just a little piece of one of those organizations. We had, we collected sixteen thousand food items in in a, in a community that's, size of green, twenty six thousand residents. We collected sixteen thousand. Yeah. We collected four thousand. Uh, we collected eight thousand the second mm-hmm. time we did it in the fall. So, you know, these are just little things that we did. But mm-hmm. we we it all started from the very beginning identifying who they were and how we were gonna help them. I made the calls personally to every one of our senior centers. That, that day, I got on the phone with every one of our senior centers and said, are you guys prepared for this? Do you know what you're, mm-hmm. how you're gonna handle this? And we only, we, not one of our senior centers had a single infection except for the one that's a rehab hospital because they can't control their patients and outs. But mm-hmm. every single one of them had set up protocols from yeah. early on that made sure that their people didn't get sick. And it was so rewarding to say, it was just on our list. We just went through the list and said, how do yeah. we serve each of these groups? And I thought, you know, and that's just amazing. And I, I just remember the conversation you were having. You were saying, I compiled this list when I got in office, but I didn't really know. I mean, it was just kind of out of intuition and gut. I should have a list. And then well, all of a sudden, well, the moment in time happens, and you're actually, and you're prepared. Well, you know, Dwayne, I, 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 I would like to say that not a single decision is made in the city without looking at that list. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't a list that I compiled, I think. It was a list that you started and then added to as you mm-hmm. recognized mm-hmm. another group. Mm-hmm. And I think it was always a list that when you when you made a decision, you looked at that list and said, okay, how's mm-hmm. it affecting these groups? And is this a good decision for our community? But in this case, it was yeah. it was the starting point. Yeah. It wasn't how are we affecting these groups? It was like, this is this is the group yeah. that we want to yeah. address. Yeah, yeah, that's a, just a, amazing. Um, so switching gears to uh, something I, I think that's... Uh, uh, is dear to your heart and a little bit outside of the city of green but um you have a uh, green has a sister city in romania 
and uh, I think it was uh, formally started in 2018. So moving away from disruption and COVID, can you tell us a little bit about our audience, a little bit about that and uh, yeah, your thoughts you know, on that? Yeah, you know, Dwayne, I, I love different cultures, and I've had the opportunity to travel. Um, I have family in Europe and um, uh, friends in, in many corners of the world, and uh, so I love, I love different cultures. And so when I had an opportunity... Uh, from some Romanian friends reached out to me and said, would you like to uh, partner uh, with with a city in Romania, Beiuș, uh, which is in the northwest uh, part of the country? Um, you know, I was very, I was very open to that. Um, and I think, um, I think the value to a community like ours and the value to everybody is to understand different cultures, right? It could be different cultures in your neighborhood, but it could be different cultures around the world. And so, mm-hmm. Uh, we went through the steps to create a sister city relationship, and um, and it's probably not as developed as I'd like it to be. Um, but I but I also realize that you have to be patient with some things to to develop. And you know, if you want to equate it to a wine, it just takes wine for a while for wine to to become really good. And I think you have to be patient. But we've established a relationship uh, with that community. Unfortunately, their mayor didn't rerun. So the relationship I had with their mayor, he spent about ten days with us here. Uh, last summer, um, and we have a great relationship. I'll have to st- establish a new relationship, um, but but there's there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of blessings from that arrangement. I I visited there, um, and 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 it was a good experience for me uh, to see their culture. It's a lot different. Uh, see how they do things, and I think that's the point of it is mm-hmm. is how do you you know how do how do you come together as 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 a world community? Mm-hmm. You know it. it, it that's, I think, what we're all headed for. It's not this parochial, you know, individualistic thing, but it's how do we, how do we um, accept people from all over the globe? And so, you know, I think that's important. It, the one, the one thing that came out of it, which I feel pretty good about, was yeah, I, I toured their hospital there, and and uh, and I, I visited some patients, and they were laying in their beds, and 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 the the director of the hospital said, yeah, the, the, she's watching one of my televisions. I had to bring it from home because this hospital <laughs> doesn't have any televisions. Wow. And then we went to another room and there was a gentleman there that had, he had a withered leg, but then he broke the other one. So he was bedridden and he couldn't, and he couldn't get around. So he brought two TVs, uh, the, the hospital director from his home. And so, um, you know, it was just kind of a side conversation. It wasn't really the point of it, right? We were there looking at the hospital care and the facilities. Uh, but when I got home, I, I, I began to think about that and formulate a plan. And so we, we, we ended up putting together a little bit of a, um, a drive to raise money for putting televisions in this hospital in Bayouche, Romania. So we we collected enough money. We put in we put in forty five televisions. Wow! So I that's... think I think it was about every patient room except perhaps you know four or five. Um, and I just haven't you know with some of the other issues with COVID this year, it's been harder to yeah. follow through. But I wanted to complete the deal and, and finish up. They had to bring in cable wiring and everything. They had nothing in that hospital, mm-hmm. and so now all their patients who are recovering. Um, or, or end of life, as is the case in hospitals in Romania, it tends to be, um, unfortunately, it tends to be uh, mm-hmm. sometimes end of life, but they have a little bit more comfort. So, you know, and it, people here, uh, were, many people took it to heart here and wanted to help. And I think, once again, that's mm-hmm. an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's about creating opportunities for people, right, that they can, they can say, this is what I want to participate in, whether they wanted to give 10 televisions personally or whether they want to give one television personally, or whatever it was. We just create opportunities for people to, to reach out and, and help somebody. So that's, that's rewarding. 
Yeah, and that's just amazing that, uh, you know, the people in City of Green and Summit County can help across the world and make a world better for someone in the hospital. And, and they can carry that with them and and really makes them feel good and contributing on a, on a world scale versus a, you know, a, a city scale. And uh, so that's just that's just amazing. An amazing, amazing story. Um, and that's uh, just amazing the things you've been able to do and, and, and lead and just ideas, right? The community took hold of it. But you came back with this idea and and promoted it. Yeah, Mayor, you've you've obviously got great ideas. I, I've scoured your website, so I know a few others that you've got going on too. But um, what do you see? What's the future look like for Green going into twenty twenty one? What's your vision there? Well, we're going to have some challenges, um, and I don't know. I guess lately, I I think the challenges are what I get up for in the morning. Um, if the city could run itself, I probably wouldn't be nearly as interested. But we're going to have some challenges. I, you know, just yesterday, um, it's probably in the paper today, but um, D Bold, our largest employer, is going to move from Green into into Hudson, and that will create that'll create issues for us. Uh, it'll create um, shortfalls in in income tax, um, and you always have those pressures. Um, but we'll 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 deal with that, and we'll live within our means, is what we always do. Uh, we will we'll work hard to to build the things that make our community the best community in the area. That's that's absolutely my goal, and we we strive for that every single day. And so we have to adjust to things like COVID. We have to adjust to things like changing revenues. We have to adjust to um, um, lots of situations. But that's really where the challenge and that's where the joy comes from is meeting those challenges. And so we have a park system. We have twelve parks. We have got a couple. Um, ODNR parks in green, so we have like 14 beautiful parks. Um, uh, the Maslin Road corridor is going to be, I would say, the most beautiful yeah. um, commercial corridor in Summit County and beyond uh, when we complete the roundabout project on Maslin Road North and then come back and do Maslin Road South. So we're creating, mm-hmm. we're creating a place where people want to be. And I think ultimately that's really the work of the city and what what I want to do. I can't control if a Diebold moves, and and Diebold's shrinking in size anyhow. Um, as you as you probably saw, they're looking for a building of 550, 600 people. Right now, they're 960, and and not so distant future, there were 1,400 people. Right. So there's been a steady decline, and we've mm-hmm. we've been fine with that decline. This is just another step. But if you create that beautiful community, you don't worry about a loss because you know that people are going to come and invest there and be there. And so that's really what that's really what you can control, and that's what we work every day to do is to build the amenities, the streets, the shopping, um, the com- the community, um, building the the people, all right. those things. And if you ask anybody in the area, what's would they like to be in green? The answer is yeah, absolutely. I'd love to be in green, and well, that's and that's the key. Yeah, and one one door closes, another door opens. Or as you and I talked back in the Great Recession, you know, we can't control the the gray clouds out there. But you can control some of the things that you can control, and 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 build from that. Um, yep. So as our listeners are uh, contemplating their next great move and, and wanting to move into a community that's as beautiful as you are speaking of green, how do they find out more about your community? Well, cityofgreen.org is our website, and uh, we just revamped it last year, so it's a it's a great deal of information there about the city of Green. Um, we're very proud of all the information there, and and um, 
you know, I love the website. It's the new, the new revamped website. So check it out. It looks good. Um, and come down and see us. You know, set, take 77 South, and we've got three exits at the southern part of Summit County. Thank you. So, Mayor, and uh, we really appreciate your time today. And uh, as we uh, as we close here uh, on a more personal level, you know, what do you do to uh, what's your go to activity to unwind and de stress? And uh, obviously, with two uh, two granddaughters now. Uh, um, That'll be uh, certainly on the top of your mind. But what do, what do you do to uh, to unwind and de-stress and, and, uh, as you close out your day or your week with uh, the challenges you face and, and the victories that you you create every day? Well, I, you know, I was thinking about that, Dwayne, and there's not a single thing I do. Uh, I would say spending time with your grandchild is very special, and it, mm-hmm. and it almost like time freezes. So that's a really special thing when you just sit down on the floor and pull out the box of Duplo and, and, mm-hmm. and play for a period of time, you know, time just freezes. It's, it's wonderful. And so that's, that's really been a, a, a wonderful thing in my life is to have mm-hmm. the grandchildren. But as you probably know, there's so many things um, that I do. I played a lot of pickleball this summer. Uh, so that's a nice release uh, in the evenings to, to unwind a little bit. I, I ride my bicycle on the towpath a lot. Um, I run 5Ks. Um, I have honeybees. I tend to my hives. Um, I, I love to put on the, the headphones and listen to some good uh, classical music. Um, so I have um, a lot of ways. I have a, I have a, a menu of things that I do to, to balance my life. Reading is mm-hmm. very important. Um, and so um, it really, I, I have... Um, a lot of opportunities to escape and 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 to to get that balance, but it's not one thing. It's just really a combination of of all those things, and kind of pick and choose, uh, you know, what, what how you feel that day. Yeah. Uh, but I've been blessed uh, with with a lot of opportunities and and uh, yeah. and uh, that's great. And with all those opportunities, um, do you, do you find it challenging to uh, find that dime, downtime? Do you have to you know? turn off for a while and do that no, I, I, You know, and I, I don't think when I worked for EDG, I, I struggled with this either. I, I think I've been good about putting in that long day, you know, mm-hmm. eight, 10 hours. Um, and, you know, now my job occasionally is a little longer than that. But, but when I go home, I can pretty much go home and I can, I can, I can play pickleball without my phone. I can, mm-hmm. I can take that bike ride on the towpath. I can do those things and, and detach. And, and I think, you know, what I've learned through some meditation and other things is that, you know, your subconscious, even when you're doing something else, your subconscious still is still working. And if you learn how to tap into that a little bit, um, you really need those times to, to mm-hmm. disconnect because your subconscious really uses that opportunity to, to, to do the work. So there's a good balance between really focusing on the here and now and, and, and getting away from it and letting your subconscious do it. Yeah, that's great advice uh, for our audience. And uh, I, I know I certainly need to learn a thing or two from that statement. So thank you for that. Again, leading by example. Yes. Uh, so Tammy, no more emails at Saturday night at eight o'clock. <laughs> um, so, but uh, well, if you, s- if you think about it, and I'm just going to extend this just for a minute. If you think about it, that 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 has a lot of negative consequences. Mm-hmm. That that six thirty email on Sunday Saturday night because it probably affects the way Tammy or you are going to to deal with the rest of your evening, and right. that it, it deals with your wife and and your family and and mm-hmm. it takes away from from what should be a you know that balancing experience. So mm-hmm. I think we all need to remember that. Do it do it at the right time, but then mm-hmm. let people have their space. Well, and I, I think it's uh, maybe even more extremely critical right now in COVID because we can get lost a lot of you know working from home or whatever, and you. 
you know, you're working and all of a sudden it's eight o'clock at night and, you know, and you get up in the morning and you don't have that opportunity to say, if you're not going to the office regularly to just get the, even that downtime of the drive back and forth where you can just kind of settle and relax and let your mind switch at ease gears, and yeah. switch gears. And so um, that coupled with uh, people not taking vacations because you can't go anywhere. And so I, I've seen some of that and even I've experienced some of that and it's like, oh, we better take a break here because we didn't take our normal vacation or normal weekend getaway. And uh, it can be hard mentally and physically, I think. So that's a great point, Mayor, that uh, it's important to uh, turn down and shut off every day and, and take a break uh, for stability and, and for relationships in our families and friends. So um, thank you very much, Mayor. Um, done a great job. Thanks for sharing about yourself and opening up and, and about your leadership in the city of Green. And uh, best wishes in the future to you, and I'm sure you'll... You'll do a great job as you continue in your journey in leading people and inspiring people. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate thank having you. Thank you. It was good to be here.